Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Last Saturday marked the second anniversary of Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Tens of thousands of Ukrainian soldiers have been killed. More than six million people have fled their homes. Yulia Brockdorf is a Ukrainian-American psychotherapist who lives in Hillsboro. She's also the co-founder and president of Dawn, a nonprofit that's been sending medical and humanitarian supplies to Ukraine. She made four trips herself last year. She has traveled to the front lines to provide counseling for troops and to former prisoners of war. Yulia Brockdorf joins us now. It's great to have you on the show. Hi, Dave. Pleasure to be here. So organizing shipments of medical supplies or humanitarian supplies is something we actually talked about on this show before. That's one thing. Traveling yourself is another. How did you decide to go? One of my trips, when I went just to the western part of Ukraine, I was working with uh, Ukrainian veterans in a hospital. And from that experience, I gleaned that in order to be effective, if I truly want to impact a difference in individual's life, they will be much more open and capable to receiving help if they if they work with someone who has had lived experience, at least in somewhat, even though I'm civilian, somewhat similar to knowing what it's like to be in the areas, not knowing if or not you're going to make out of there. So you had conversations with, this this was at a hospital? It was in a hospital with people who are recovering. Hmm. People who who had had serious injuries and serious trauma. At at that time, that, that first trip, what were you... What were you trying to provide? I mean, what was your goal as a as a healer, as a mental health professional? I wanted to be there for the veterans to give them space should they want to discuss either their experiences serving or their goals and hopes to how they can re-enter civilian life or be it relationship with their family because there are so many nuances that are impacting veterans. And um, with that, I was hoping things could be helpful. I work here in the States with American veterans, yet working with Ukrainian veterans, it it provided to be a very different experience until I went to the front. Was it that they would say things like, you can't actually, you can't help me because you don't know what it's like. Was it that concrete that they would say that? that I mean, I'm, I'm curious what made you realize, I actually, I have to go east. I have to go closer to the front. It was not as concrete at first when I would interpret what they're saying in those terms. And yes, that would be a, a solid yes. But the original sense is that I could feel the attempt to protect me. I could huh. feel the attempt to shield and cover and blunt the edges and not be able to go into the materials that was essential for them to work through. And just Me- kind of meaning, sh- meaning you could tell that, um, just to, to speak in really simple terms, mm-hmm. they, there were horrors that they had experienced or seen that they didn't think you could handle. 
Right. Plus, I am a girl, right? Hmm. So, and you, these are mainly men you're talking about? At, at first, yes. I mean, because um, women and men are serving on the front yes, lines. Yes, women and men are serving, and they um, sh- uh, serve in shoulder to shoulder in various missions. But my very first experience when I was working with Ukrainian veterans, I was men. And so here I am, a female and uh, from America. So what, what do I know, right? And uh, at the same time, it's just trying to kind of make it all very packaged to me. And I, and I see that to be across the board. That's, that seems to be my um, sense. And when I would call it out, it would be, well, yeah, I mean, how can you understand? How can you understand the threat to life? How can you understand that I cannot talk to my wife for a year? A year and a half. Well, in that case, it was not a year and a half yet. Um, how can you understand what it's like to be so cold that your fingers don't move or they're actually uh, frostbitten that they will never recover their function? And how can you understand what it's like to uh, crawl for nine hours with a tourniquet or two tourniquets on and then later lose a leg because um, there was no way to evacuate, there was no way to send evacuation team because it was enemy fire shelling is so constant. It was a space that that's true. I never had that lived experience. And the many lived experiences they had, I will never have. But you heard enough of that that you said, the next time I come back, I am going to go to the front. I'm going to ask for permission to do it. Because How it's did not that work? It, it took some work because it is not that, that easy for civilian to, to do that. So working, building relationship, building trust, mm-hmm. building, building permissions to be able to, to work and to have the particular clearances to go to the areas that are, um, I'm permitted to go. How close to shelling to to the 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 most active war zones have you been at this point? There are different levels of the front. My the place that the, my closest space was, uh, well, like from Wavia City to your parking lot. It would be where that, the oh, enemy I mean, is. That's just. I mean, that's a couple hundred yards. Uh, that's that's where the. Um, then that I'm not counting it correctly. Or, or maybe I'm not. I, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's terrifying I close, I guess, is, is what I meant. In my vision, and I'm really not good with these distances, but I would think it would translate like a mile. Okay. Is where the uh, uh, cross line, this is enemy on that side, we on this side. So if I'm being accurate, it's about a mile-ish. But as far as the end to the fire, fire was above me. Fire was around All me. All around you. When we were in a trench, it was a risk to your life to exit the trench to go to the bathroom. Hmm. So it, it was there. What did it mean to, to provide therapy in the middle of the war as opposed to at a hospital that is, you know, some... Hundred kilometers, hundred miles from it. Uh, you, you were this. This wasn't um, warriors on leave or or it's getting patched up before they're going to go mm-hmm. back. They were right in the middle of it. What, what were you providing? It was um, the big part is to be very flexible because what needs to be provided really differs from person to person, from moment to moment for the same person, and. Um, being with them for a certain block of time allows them to to know me, for me to know them, and then then we would have moments where we could step aside at, at different points or find a corner or something, and to be able to address and discuss elements that they wanted to discuss. It would take on different different shapes and forms. It could be driving to a position, it could be um, sitting together eating a meal, it could be. Um, 
working on something and um, discussing it could be just going for a stroll and talk. It just depends. Hmm. How much did you have to um, counteract stigma? I mean, there, there, this is changing to some extent in U.S. society, um, saying more of a, of a sense of parity, of, of mental health and physical health. Um, but we're talking about a different country, and we're talking about a country at war. Uh, did, did, did you encounter men or women who said, I don't, I don't need a shrink right now. Mm-hmm. I, I need bullets. I, I need sleep. And this is exactly what they need. They need bullets. They need sleep because the that would make a difference in how the f- events are going to unfold. If we have F-16s, we can end this war very quickly. If they, we have long-range missiles, Ukrainian military has shown themselves to be very responsible of how we use the weaponry given to us. And having those tools, we can end this war. And it's not just element of stigma, it's also the piece of you have competent people who have no tools to do their job, be it military personnel who needs to have particular equipment or medical personnel who needs equipment to do their job. So it's, it's also dropping in the face of we need access to equipment and tools to be able to be effective. And that's really hard to have that sense when you can, but you may not. That answer makes perfect sense. And I do want to dig deeper into, you're talking about political, geopolitical questions about support from the US or Western allies, whether it's it's direct financial support or, or uh, material, you know, war stuff. Crucial questions that the US Congress, for example, is is paralyzed about right now. But I'm, I'm wondering just in the, the personal level of you in a trench, as you, as you said, sometimes just going to a corner somewhere, You're, this is not, you don't have a, a therapy office here, it sounds like. How would you get people to open up? And and was that your job or were you just waiting to see if people wanted to to take advantage of what you had to offer? At first, people were very cautious and unsure after at the first time when I went to the East. And after that first trip, it really changed how people approach work. They just know I'm here, and those who wanted to engage with me on particular issues, they would. I would make myself available, and there were times I would have really number of people, more than I've ever seen in the States in one day. Huh. And sometimes it would be um, a very different. depends where we're going, what we're doing. So it's... Um, once they know that I know, it truly changes so much. That's interesting the way you put it that way. I mean, I'm so because that's from their perspective. Do you think that it changed you? The way you said this first is that you know when you were in the West and you were insulated a little bit from the war, the 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 soldiers that you were talking to, they they weren't sure if they could trust you. They they weren't sure if sure. you could handle what they were going to say. Uh, and then it seems like you were able to gain more of their trust when you were with them. Do you think you were also a different therapist yourself because of what you'd experienced? For me, I think I have learned leaps and bounds, just even from perspective of the understanding what questions may be okay or not okay to ask. Can you give us an example of that? Um, Well, first of all, I really learned how to swear. I'm really good at swearing in Ukrainian now. You weren't before? <laughs> not that good. <laughs> no, not that good. But now it can flow. That's, I mean, it's it's funny as you're saying that, but is there a, um, a professional benefit 
to that having access to that kind of language for your job? It, it makes me not be above. It makes me not to be a separate person. I'm in the milieu, steep in cooking, speaking in the way that people I work with. Hmm. We're not. I'm not somebody else. Hmm. I am part of. We are. We are the team for some other better common goal, and it changed uh, for me personally. The having the insight as to really what they're going through. Like for some reason why the person might not want to or want to uh, put particular boundary in their relationship, for example. It makes, gives me lived sense of experience of what uh, is going to structure making that request of the family. And my, my role would be to help them to learn how to communicate that, for example, to the family. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with the Ukrainian-American psychotherapist Yulia Brockdorf. Brockdorf. She has organized shipments of medical and humanitarian aid to Ukraine. She has also, though, made multiple trips there to provide counseling to frontline troops. She's going to be at Linfield University in McMinnville this evening to participate in a panel discussion about the war. The free event starts at 530. You know, um, when I asked you at the beginning why you went, um, you, you started, but you were already there in your answer. You said I was in the west part of the western part of the country, and then I realized I had to go east. But why did you go to begin with? The, the, the war started. Why did you decide, I am going to go to Ukraine? Very first steps were to deliver medical aid. And for me, I... This this war, this full-scale invasion, war started in 2014. The full-scale invasion really helped kind of ask me to reflect on what my values truly are. And if they are values, you're going to live for them and you be willing to um, sacrifice for them and risk your life for them. And one of my values is freedom. So my nation, my home, my heart is at the risk of losing her freedom. Parts of my country where I grew up is currently under occupation by the enemy. So for me to not go, it would be inconceivable. It's not why I went. It's like I could not not go. Hmm. It's, it's just, it's part of me. Hmm. The war, as I noted at the beginning, has created maybe more than 6 million refugees, some of whom have, have resettled in Oregon, a, a small number, but not insignificant, and, and elsewhere in the U.S., elsewhere in, in Poland, all, all over the world. As a mental health professional, what do you see as the, the particular needs for these refugees j- j- just in Oregon? What have you seen in Oregon? In Oregon, our nonprofit was awarded grant to provide support for Ukrainian refugee with uh, various, af- uh, various aspects of their needs. And what I see that people need, they need to be given tools to make it. They need ability to earn income. They need transportation. They need to be able to requalify their diplomas. They need to be able to have stable housing. They need support in the areas of health, in mental health. They need child care. And they need, very importantly, access to services in Ukrainian language. As opposed to Russian and as as opposed opposed to to Russian and English. Because even though, like for example, self, I am fluent in Russian, but for many people that I've worked with, I've heard the um, sentiment that receiving services or asking for Ukrainian interpreter and Russian interpreter comes in, it is 
an act of um, assault. Because this, so for some people, they've seen a Russian soldier rape this child. And I don't want to hear services from healthcare provider provided in Russian. For some people, it doesn't feel the same way. But I think to have provision of services in Ukrainian is very important. Can you tell us about a summer camp that you organized for Ukrainian young Ukrainian refugees in yeah. Oregon? Yes, we had a nine-week summer camp. It was really well attended, and we have a lot of interest in the camp. And Don, our nonprofit, has uh, served as four teachers who are Ukrainian uh, professionals who provided services for these kids. We had kids who would come in to the camp really locked up and have difficulty um, interacting, communicating. And by the time end of the camp, they were singing, they were on the stage. We performed at Pioneer Square. This, you could see children blossom. They were, we were leaning on the use of Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian language, and various um, psychological tools to provide children with support and also with community. And they blossomed. Hmm. I want to turn back to the question of U.S. aid that, that you brought up earlier with mentioning F-16s and long-range missiles, because as we speak, uh, far-right Republicans in Congress are once again threatening a, a government shutdown, partly because of aid to Ukraine. If you were talking directly to them, what would you say? I've had the opportunity to go to the Capitol Hill and I will go again in April to talk to them again. And I remind them that we stand for democracy, for freedom, for sovereignty of our nation. This is not a tribal society we live in. We live in global society. And uh, when we infringe on freedom of one nation anywhere in the world, it impacts all of us and all our relationships. United States stood to say that we will protect Ukraine if Ukraine will surrender nuclear power. Ukraine disarmed. And United States, Russia, Great Britain promised to protect Ukraine should her territorial integrity be compromised. That happened. We have moral obligation to support Ukraine with everything she needs to win this war and end this war. And what is victory for Ukraine is when every last soldier of enemy state is driven out of every last inch of Ukrainian territory. Yulia Brockdorf, thanks very much. Thank you. Yulia Brockdorf is a Ukrainian-American psychotherapist based in Hillsboro, co-founder and president of Dawn. She will be going back to Ukraine to provide therapy to soldiers serving on the front line this coming Sunday.